Awesome. Well, we're going to hear from Pastor Dallas and Pastor Danny and Pastor Sandy. The theme is battle ready. So who's ready to receive the word? And as always, I want us to stand and honor these three pastors as they come. We're going to first hear from Pastor Dallas Wybert. Thank you, Pastor Brad. You might be seated comfortably because it's going to get a bit outrageous. Nah, just joking. <laughs> well, this is all about being battle ready. Who knows we're in a battle? Yeah, well, that's good. That's a good start. <laughs> um, you know, this, this um, revelation of the armour of God really changed my life as, as a Christian, changed my walk of life. Um, and I really just pray today that you guys, God just really pours out revelation from heaven to you today about the armour of God, about all its facets which you're going to hear from all of us today. You know, it says in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore... Put on every piece of God's armour so you will be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. Then after the battle you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. That's a pretty powerful scripture. I can see you're all pretty overwhelmed. (laughs) I've, I've, had, I've had weeks to pray about it, so I'm all good. <laughs> you know, this scripture clearly informs us that there is a supernatural world, amen? Um, that it's not just about your flesh, it's not just about what's going on, what you can see. You know, the, power, the, the scripture talks about, you know, powers and principalities, and they are opposing what the Christians are trying to do on this earth. They're opposing God's word. They're opposing God's power. They're opposing the victory that Jesus has through the cross. You know, it also tells us that the devil has strategies and that we need to stand firm against them. You know what? All intercessors in this room, I can tell, would be going, Woohoo! Tell me more! Tell me more! How do I, you know, how do I beat them down? And if you're not an intercessor, you'd be going, ooh, I don't know about this. This may not be my thing. But can I just send that charge out to you today that this is for all believers. This is not about the intercessors. This is not about the fighters. This is about what God has for you. And God is giving us clear instruction on how to, how to hold firmly onto that. Is everyone with me? Awesome. Any intercessors in the room? Put your hand up. Woo! Look at all those mighty women. <laughs> okay. So, the, so this morning, I'm going to talk. I'm going to cover the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth. It's really difficult because the scripture is so amazing. It's just like breaking it up. It's like Pastor Brad, this is hard. <laughs> Right, so the breastplate of righteousness. Well, so firstly, what is righteousness? Well, I know before I became a Christian, I thought, you know, oh, yeah, self-righteous. You know, you know, you've got it all going on. You're a Christian, you know, you know, you know what it's all about. Well, it's actually not that. That is actually not righteousness. That's self-righteousness. Right, so righteousness is something that Jesus has done for us. In Romans 3.25, it says, For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People were made right with God when they believed that Jesus sacrificed his love, shedding his blood for those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them 
in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. I mean, it's pretty clear. Righteousness comes from what he did, the sacrifice of Jesus. So can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, it's based on faith. In John 16.10 it says, Righteousness is available, this is Jesus saying, Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. What a heavy sacrifice was paid for your righteousness. You know, God loves you so much. He invested his son for you so you could claim that righteousness, so you could have that relationship with God. That blows my mind because these are not words on a bit of paper. You know, God loves you so much. He invested his son for you. Well, what isn't righteousness? Well, we already know that. You know, believing that you need to perform and achieve for God's approval, for his love, his promises and belonging. How do we know that we are in this place? Well, we feel disconnected from God. We feel condemned. We feel rejection. We feel isolation. And we don't feel worthy of his love and promises. That's when we're not putting on that righteousness. For me, when I first became Christian, I knew what not, well, I didn't know what being righteous was because I was told I was always wrong, wrong to make that decision, wrong to say that thing, wrong to laugh at that time, wrong to be friends with these people and so on. And every choice I ever made my whole life was wrong, 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 wrong. But when I, when I became saved and God started to speak to me about righteousness, it gave me such a freedom that I could be who I was meant to be and he would teach me in love rather than... And that freedom changed my life, that I didn't have to earn his love, his approval, his authority, that he'd given it to me freely, no pressure. So the breastplate of righteousness, you know, in the natural, the breastplate of the warrior protected vital organs... And it says in an area that I was reading that, the, that the, um, the armour was actually covering from the neck right down to the thighs. Now, it was imperative, as you probably know, that warriors wore this part of armour for their life's sake. If, if there was no armour, they could easily be injured and killed, maimed. And you know what? Guess what? Their sword and their shield didn't matter at that stage. Because of it. You know, there are many vital organs that are protected by the breastplate. The heart, the lungs, the liver, kidney, digestive tract and reproductive organs. Just to name a few to those medical people who know more. You know, I believe spiritually, the Holy Spirit gave me this revelation that, and I'll just go quickly because I don't have time to really elaborate, but it says the heart... God said, is your life force that I give you. Your lungs is the Holy Spirit that oxygenates the blood around your body, keeping it alive. The liver cleanses your blood and is like forgiveness, cleansing us from sin. The intestines clear away all the toxins and unwanted matter and that is like deliverance. The kidneys... They balance the blood levels and that represents alignment with God. And the reproductive organs, this organ reproduces its own kind. So be reproducers of God's love and being a light in the world. So how do you put on your breastplate of righteousness? I guess you're wanting to know that. Because God says, put it on, put it on. He doesn't say, read about it, pray about it, talk about it, think about it. He says, put it on. So how do we do this? Well, it's by faith. I don't actually have a real one at home, although I probably like one. (laughs) 
by faith. You know, I actually, um, when I got this revelation from God, I actually closed my eyes and I visually put it on every single day because that's what God says. And I have seen that strength and that authority build and build and build over the years of how it protects me. And I can tell you, maybe a day I'm feeling a bit sick or a busy day and I don't do it, which is not often, but I can tell you I know when I haven't done it. So when you go into battle, you know, have the confidence that you are righteous with God because not what you have done, but what he has done for you. Know that you do belong. You are loved and accepted. You are forgiven. You are justified and you are righteous. If you don't feel like this, then you need to go into battle for what's rightfully yours because God gave it to you as a gift. And it seems that maybe the enemies tried to talk you out of it. So, you know, the belt of truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus said, the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. In Psalm 119, it says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Jesus is the truth. He is the truth. In all my life, searching for the truth up to the point when I met Jesus, I had searched for truth in many, many different places and I had a bit of a mixed mongrel bag of things. Alternative this and cultural that. and, And it was a mongrel bag because it didn't... It didn't give me the truth that Jesus gave. You know, the belt, the belt of armour had three primary purposes. It actually went over the top of the breastplate of righteousness. And when you think about it, you are putting the truth around of righteousness that God has given you. It had three primary purposes, and get this, this is exciting. It held all of the warrior's weapons and equipment together. It tied his robe so that he, or her robe, so that he or her will not stumble going into battle. And it also was an ornamental displaying medals or awards for heroism in battle. You know, there's a practical side, but there's also an intimidation. And that's what we need to do. When we're called to battle, we need to intimidate the enemy. And this is what I knew when I when met Jesus. I'd had a whole life of being intimidated by the enemy, intimidated with fear, intimidated with depression, intimidated with addiction, intimidated with broken relationships, broken, broken everything. And this was, when I, re- when I got this revelation, it was like, well, now, devil... I'm going to intimidate you because my God has given me this because he loves me, not because I've earned it, not because I'm smart, not because I'm beautiful, not because I'm amazing, but you, you, because you said, full stop. You know, as you put on your belt of truth, you are putting on your identity in Jesus, your trust in his truth. In Philippians 2, 9 to 10, God God elevated him to the highest place of honour and gave him name above all names. Jesus is the name above all names. And you know what? If you think, oh, is it really? Well, let's, let's put it to the test. Let's not test God, but let's put God's word to the test. Let's start using God's word. You start declaring and decreeing in your life that the name of Jesus is above the name of depression. The name of Jesus is the name above poverty. The name of Jesus is the name above fear. Then I tell you, come and see me. You will have your breakthrough and you'll be talking about your testimony and the power of God in your life and that's how we glorify him not just by reading the pretty words in the book (laughs) what isn't truth well I always think it's good to know what it isn't first and then what it is because that's the way my brain works thank you God you know what isn't truth truth isn't compromise 
Compromise is something that Christians do. Compromise is something that humans do. They compromise, compromise, compromise. And it's, it's very wishy-washy. And I can see how, you know, there's scriptures in the Bible of God spitting people out of his mouth because they're lukewarm. Let's not compromise. Let's be convicted. Let's be bold. Let's stand. You don't have to be loud like me. But you can still be convicted, Amen. In Colossians 2, 6, it says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you, may, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth where you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And that is how I feel. You know, God has done so much in my life and it's all to his glory. Not to me at all. All I've done is just been obedient. And it says, don't let anyone capture you with the empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. And that was where I was at before I met Christ. I had a mongrel bag and I threw it to the pit of hell. Amen. So, you know, righteousness and truth go together. You can't separate them. You can't wear the belt of truth and not know your righteousness in God. You can't be speaking out the word and not have a relationship with the Lord. And in Matthew 7, 22, it says, On judgment day, many of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and we performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. No, it's scary. I don't want to be doing things under an an anointing because God's given me the power and I don't have a relationship with him. I want to do things in alignment with God. He empowers me to do it for his purpose, not for me to shine and be able to do things that non-believers can do. We've always got to be connected to God. You know, in Joshua 23, 9, it says, For the Lord has driven out great and powerful nations for you, and no one has yet been able to defeat you. Sorry, I'll scam along. Um, For the Lord your God fights for you just as he has promised. You know, God gives us these, these, the armour of God. He gives us these weapons, but he fights for us. You know, it's his fight and he fights for us. We're all in it together. We can't do it on on our own. So, you know, finally, I think... um, one of the amazing scriptures to capsulate this is the vision of um, when David met Goliath. You know, David wasn't wearing physical armour, but I really believe in my spirit that he had God's armour on. He had that breastplate of righteousness. He had that belt of truth. So it says in 1 Samuel 17:41, Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at his ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his God. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Have you ever had anyone say that to you in your life? I know I have. Then David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Today the Lord will conquer you. Amen. That is carrying that armour of God in the spirit. He charged and he got victory. So I want to charge you today, church, it's not about being an intercessor. It's for every believer. You know, Holy Spirit will, you know, hang out with Holy Spirit and in the Word and around different mentors and they will teach you how to, how to get more and more revelation out of this Word. But what I can say is if you're not walking in that victory and you're feeling down and out, let me say, revisit, revisit the Scripture And start declaring it out and then I can tell you in a few weeks' time you will have testimony to stand up here and say what God has done for you. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Dallas. If you're good at English, it's A for awesome. If you're an islander, that's O for awesome. Well, morning, everybody. It's my privilege to speak about the shoes of the gospel of peace and the shield of faith. As a form of uh, introduction, I would actually like to share a couple of scriptures around each one of these pieces of armour, and then I'd like to break it up with a scriptural example and hopefully a personal example to show its application. Then, if I have time, I would like to finish with a summary in regards to the context and the right motivation for its application. Hallelujah. How's it sound? Does it sound echoey down there? It's all good? Amen. Okay, let's go. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Ephesians 6 verse 15 says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The word is telling us, be prepared. Church, be prepared. If we're not prepared, we're going to miss out on an opportunity. And God is all about windows of opportunity to share a word of peace and love. Hallelujah. So, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Romans chapter 10 verse 15 says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring, that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So God is empowering us from these scriptures to share the love of God, the peace of God, in order for God and man to be reconciled. Now, people love talking, is that right? I could look around this place and I could tell you there's a lot of people that actually like to talk. Um, Some people like to talk more than others. So you may not have the opportunity to talk for as long. But look, people love to talk. So what am I saying? I'm saying it's good to find a subject that someone is interested in because that's a good place to start with what they're interested in. Amen? So as we get ready to be ready in a season, out of season, it's like these opportunities, they open up to us every day. On a daily basis, opportunities arise, but it's up to us whether we take them or not. Now, my scriptural example of this uh, being ready in a season and out of season is the Apostle Paul. He was going through a, one of the cities, and he come across this he come across this um, the statue, and it had a little inscription that says, "To the unknown God." All right. And so with the statue, he added it into his message that, listen, this God that you worship that is unknown to you, I want to declare to you today that he has made a way for you and I to get to know him personally. Amen? And because he's made this opportunity from what he saw, he brought the reality of getting to know God in a personal way fresh. Hallelujah. Now, my example, as I said earlier, you've got to find a subject that people love talking about because we're trying to build this rapport. So not long ago, my wife and I had the privilege to go to New Zealand and we were able to celebrate with uh, Letty and uh, Kayla their first birthday for their baby, uh, Caleb. Now, we had a fantastic time over there. And uh, we stayed with Letty's father. And uh, I hadn't actually met the man before that. But uh, because he was Tukalowan, I'm Tukalowan, but my Tukalowan is not very good. But because I was wanting to build rapport with him, (laughs) I would try and share things or talk to him in Tukalowan. It's almost like, you know, if you're like, 
can speak a bit of Chinese and you're trying to speak Chinese to someone who speaks Chinese and you don't know much Chinese? Yeah, it was a bit like that for me. <laughs> All right. Anyway, as I was trying to look for a subject that uh, he could really enjoy talking about, I mentioned I had gone to Israel and his eyes lit up. Man, it was like Christmas. His eyes lit up. And when I saw that, I thought, gotcha. <laughs> so I started sharing about the things I did while I was in Israel and where God took me to. Look, long, long, long story short, after about an hour of talking to him, I sort of asked him, do you, uh, do you mind if I pray a blessing on you? And, uh, you know, because I, I hooked this guy in with this conversation, brought him in, brought him in, and I got him. So he says, of course, please do. So we prayed a blessing on him, my wife and I. We prayed, as we began to pray, the Holy Spirit came on him, and he started manifesting. Woohoo! <laughs> when he started manifesting, we just kept praying, amen? Now, many of you know uh, Mark 16, that one of the signs that follow them that believe, which shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover, but these signs will follow that uh, they shall cast out demons in his name. So it was just like another day in the office, amen? So as we were praying for him, as we were praying for him, to cut a long story short, because, you know, we wanted to, I want to speak a lot about it, but I've only got a few minutes, so to cut a long story short, we actually led him to the Lord. And because of what God had done there, we led his partner to the Lord. And with what happened there, God enabled us to lead Letty's mother to the Lord. And then Letty's mother's sister, his auntie. And then the cousin got saved. And then his sisters, which were, uh, one of them was backslidden, she recommitted. And the other one was a first-time commitment. And then their partners also give their hearts to the Lord. And then God opened up an opportunity for us to water baptize his father and his cousin, at the Hosanna Church in Cannons Creek, Porirua. Hallelujah. So what am I saying? Opportunities arise every day for us. But we have to be prepared. We have to be ready. Amen? Amen. Shield of faith. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, the word, the word shield can be also a verb. Amen? It can be a verb. It can be an action word. It, uh, meaning protect from danger or risk or unpleasant experience. In this case, the shield of faith quenches all the fiery darts from the wicked one. So... Pastor Dallas brought out a good scripture this morning about David and Goliath. I'm going to use the same thing. That's a good scriptural uh, reference to, you know, this little boy coming up against this huge giant. You know, it's, it's unlogical in the natural mind for a little boy to fight a huge giant. But my point is this, is that the faith that David had in his heart was enough for him to know that God will look after him. Amen? And it's like that for you and I. God wants you to know that he will look after you. He will protect you. He will keep you from the fowler, from the snares of the enemy, from the fiery darts that fly. But the key is, is who are you trusting in? Are you allowing the Almighty God to be your shield, or are you trusting in the arm of the flesh? According to Jeremiah 17, Cursed is the man that trusts in the arm of the flesh. But blessed is he who trusts in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, <clears throat> two scriptures. Uh, Psalm, 50, Psalm 50, I love this verse. Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me in your day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. Psalm 91, verse 7 says, A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 on my right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. That's a word for some of you here today. 
Hallelujah. Now, it's my testimony too. You know, a few years ago when I was in my 20s, you know, it was almost like yesterday, <laughs> I was on a course and uh, I was just minding my own business as we do, you know. And uh, this particular guy, I don't know why he didn't like me, but he told me later that he heard a voice inside him say, you better get rid of that guy. He's going to be trouble. And I was thinking, man. <laughs> Some people, you just don't know what goes on in people's minds or inside them, you know. You can't, you can't know. Anyway, he said that every time he has heard this voice in the past tell him to do something, he's always gone out and did it. So he was quite prepared to follow through with getting rid of me. But then he said... But he heard another voice straight after, and it just said one word, don't. And he said it freaked him out so much <laughs> that he didn't want to touch me. <laughs> but it's like that for you and I as the believer. You can't touch this. Hallelujah. Good, I got time. Look. Now, as he was sharing what he was telling me, it was like the scripture started singing on my inside. Now, for those of you that are older in the Lord, would know the scripture and may know the transference that it has to a song. But the scripture started singing on my inside. And it comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. For I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Does anyone know that as a song? Anyone here? Anyone? No? Well, thank you very much. It goes like this. For I know in whom I believe it. And am persuaded that he is able to do that which I've committed unto him against that day. Yeah. And that's what was raging in me. The song, the scripture, it was like, mate, I really believe, man, because, man, I just couldn't thank God enough. And then that night, I was, uh, I was thinking to myself, man, is this guy for real? Because he, he was telling me he was going to stab me in the back a couple of times. And I was thinking, is this guy really for real? Or is he just talking nanas? And I was telling the Lord this, right? Next day, the guy was looking for his lighter. He pulls out his duffel bag. He empties it out looking for his lighter. And out fell this knife that opens up into a knife. <laughs> and I was thinking, thank you, Lord. It was like he allowed me to see. With my eyes. Hallelujah. Oh, look, look, I'm going to end up now with my summary. Because I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So it's good for us as believers to keep that in perspective, who and what we are fighting. Don't fight the brother from another mother. Leave the sister from a different mister alone and get your focus in where it should be so you're fighting the right enemy. Amen? And I want to finish with this scripture because this is the right motivation I believe that God wants us to move in. 1 Corinthians 13, many of us know it, from 1 to 7. If I speak in the, tongues of ange- in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor, And give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love. I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Amen. Please put your hands together for Pastor uh, Sandy as she comes. Awesome. Can I get my buff of a husband just to bring the thing down? Muscly, buff, spunky. Because <laughs> I just want to address the, uh, soldiers here in the house, yeah? He's soldiers, warriors. Wow, I can hear it. The roar. <laughs> Lord, I just want to thank you, Pastor Dallas and uh, and Danny, Pastor Danny, just for breaking down and just giving us that insight and understanding about the different pieces of armour so that we're equipped and trained to be battle-ready. Yeah. Amen. Believe it or not, as they were saying, that we are at war. We're facing spiritual battles each day. And as Christians, we're not just peaceful spectators, okay? We are frontline commandos. I want to hear you say, Roar! Yeah, that's you, frontline commando. And we can either become uh, victims or victorious or victors, yeah? And I just want to share that I've actually experienced both, yes? And, but I believe that I'm winning, yeah? You're winning, I'm winning. Because greater is he that's in us than he that is of the world. Amen? You know, um, a few years ago, I actually won this competition at work. I won a bike, a push bike. And, um, and our organisation was actually promoting health and fitness and, um, for the workers. So I won this bike and I thought I'd give, I'd give my bike to Thomas. Um, and I'll purchase a, a bike myself so that we can actually go bike riding together into the sunset. No. Um, we'll go bike riding together just to get into the, our health and fitness. Um, and so, you know, we had a great time, yeah? Just bike riding together. And then I thought, now wouldn't it be cool if I actually take my, my furry baby, my dog Boss, um, he's an English Staffordshire and he's so cute. I thought, would it be cool if I just take him for a walk while I'm riding my bike? And I thought that would be a great way to exercise and have fun. So I came up with this brilliant idea that I'm going to, you know, I'll have Boss on the leash and I'll tie him to the handlebar of my bike and he can actually push me along. And um, so I thought, yeah, that's cool. I'm going to do that the next morning. So I got up and I actually tied Boss to my bike. Thomas was working then. And um, at first it was a bit awkward because, uh, you know, every time that, that Boss would kind of like slow down or he will actually stop, um, the front tire of my bike would actually hit him in the backside. <laughs> I know, I wasn't... But anyway, and, and so I thought... And then he kind of like got the hang of it and, you know, he just started to pick up pace and, and then he was walking really fast and, and, and eventually he was actually running. And um, so off we went and uh, we were having a, I was, I was working and then we started going downhill. And, um, and so, of course, Bots was actually running really fast and I didn't even have to pedal. It was so cool. It was just an awesome thrill. And as we were going down that uh, downhill, Boss kind of like got a bit sidetracked and he actually saw a pole on the side of the road. And before I knew it, he actually w- ran to the pole and he went around twice and he lifted his leg and peed. And of course, before I knew it, I got yanked off the bike. I went flying and I hit the ground really hard and one side of my body was actually a bit scraped and, um, and I was actually in pain. I couldn't breathe. I was actually winded and I was just lying there. And I, my head almost actually hit the curb because we're actually not on the footpath. We're actually riding on the road. Um, but that was early hours of the morning. So, um, you know, I tell you, if I hadn't worn my helmet, my head would have hit that curb and I would have been a changed person. My life would not be the same. Um, so wearing helmet protects your head from fatal injuries. You know, a person can survive... A car accident, a bike accident with a broken arm or broken hand or broken foot or broken ribs. But if you have a head injury, it could be disastrous. The chances of living may be quite minimal. But if you have a head injury, it can cause brain damage or paralysis. So this morning, um, I'm going to be sharing about the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. 
Those are the two pieces of spiritual armour from Ephesians 6. Amen? So, in the same way a helmet is to protect your head physically, we need to put on the spiritual helmet as a soldier of Christ to help protect your mind, help protect your thought, um, or else the blows of the enemy will be fatal to your thought life and take you off course, okay? And you know that the devil's first target is to actually damage your mind with lies to sow seeds of doubt, belief, unbelief, discouragement, or negative thoughts into your mind. Do you know that experts say that an average person thinks 30,000 thoughts each day, 30,000? And I wonder how many of those thoughts that the devil will try to infiltrate, yeah, into our minds, those negative thoughts, And, you know, not only that, but a lot of us, a lot of people are getting bombarded with uh, social media, technology, and just getting really sidetracked and easily distracted. So it's really important that we need to declutter our thoughts and not get so distracted because no wonder that people are becoming really confused and double-minded. James 1.8, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So our thought life is so important. Because it's our thought life that controls the rest of our body. And Proverbs 23 says, as a person thinks, so is he. So if you, I'm I'm sure that um, most of you guys would have heard this. If you sow a thought, you reap a deed. If you sow a deed, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a character. If you sow a character, you reap a destiny. And it all begins with a thought. So... In Ephesians six seventeen, it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So the, the word says the helmet of salvation because the devil, the enemy, will try and attack your salvation. He'll remind you of your past, your mistakes. The enemy will just try and place doubt regarding your salvation in God and in the, in the plans that God has for your life. So it's important that, that you as a soldier a warrior for God, um, you've got to know who you are, you've got to know your identity, and you've got to know your position in Christ Jesus, so that, you know, as a soldier in the army of God, you don't get stuck, you don't get stagnant, amen, but you're moving forward. As soldiers, you've got to continue to move forward and continue to advance. So, you know, even when you fail, you know, I've failed, I've made mistakes, and even when you fall into temptation or into sin or things are just becoming so clouded and quite overwhelming, it's just important that you just don't lie there wounded, yeah? As a soldier, you just kind of, you know, don't feel guilty or condemned. you just got to learn from your mistakes, yeah? Learn from your mistakes and get up, soldier. <laughs> you got to get up. Renew your, renew your mind. And believe that God has forgiven you. And you've got to forgive yourself, yeah? Forgive others and rise up and stand strong. Walk out your salvation. Walk out your journey in God because your journey is the process. And Second Corinthians says, The weapon we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that set itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You know, I love the New Living Translation that says, Put on the helmet of salvation, as Pastor Dallas was saying. You know, we've got to actively put on the helmet of salvation by renewing our minds, in the word and remembering what Jesus has done for us. Our mind, I like this picture, our mind's like a beautiful garden, yeah? And to maintain that beautiful garden, you've got to take responsibility as a soldier to pull out those weeds because those weeds are the lies of the enemy, of the devil. So it's important that you've got to recognize those lies because it can be really quite subtle. And we've got to actively, you've got to take responsibility. No one's going to do it for you, but you have to do it to pull them out by renewing your mind. And in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, I remember in my early years... um, you know, it was one of my first jobs. I was a young, new graduate, 
And um, at that time, my mind was actually, it was a real battlefield. It was a lot of negativity, um, negative lies about my identity. I was feeling quite inadequate, and I didn't feel competent. And there was still some difficult childhood hurts that was echoing into my um, adulthood. And uh, I remember my first, one of my first jobs, I really struggled, but somehow I knew that I had to be there because it was good training ground for me, yeah, just to develop my confidence. And one time, uh, myself and a work colleague were actually asked to prevent, I mean, to present this complex case uh, to a big group of professionals. And there were doctors, there were psychologists, there were clinicians. And, uh, you know, kind of like try to get out of it, try to persuade my work colleague. I said, oh, no, you're you're better off. You can do it. I believe in you. And uh, I just support you while I'm sitting there in the audience. And, you know, my work colleague would say, oh, I don't know, but, you know, he agreed. And, uh, but during the presentation, I was actually sitting there and then someone um, asked a question and it was directed at me. And he said, oh, so Sandy, what's your formulation? What do you think are the predisposing factors um, in particular to this case? And uh, I actually kind of like felt like crawling under the chair. I felt like dying. I was like... <laughs> It was like, in my mind, that thought of, you stupid idiot, you don't even know what formulation is, <laughs> what it means. And, um, and I just kind of looked at him really blank, and I just, you know, I just said, um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and, um, and I think from that experience, I thought, I better sort myself out, or else I'm going to get fired. So, you know, just through a combination of just wise counsel, learning from the job, sticking it out, um, renewing my mind, uh, taking up the word of God to help me to be all that God has called me to be. I was, you know, I had to say to myself, I'm the child, I'm the child of the most high God. I'm, I'm the head and not the tail. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. And now, God has actually changed me, strengthened me. I have the mind of Christ. He's changed my identity, changed the way I think. Now I'm like the boss. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm at this meeting and uh, the doctor says this and that. And I said, well, hang on. I suggest that, you, you know, this medication, you need to change the medication because I think that that person will tolerate it really well. And, you know, sometimes they do listen to me. You know, and they go, oh, I don't think that this client warrants an admission. I think we can put in some strategies to try and manage them in the community. They listen. You know why? Because the word of God is in you. The identity of God is in you, soldier. <laughs> if you can do it in my life, he can do it for you. And God's going to change you. You carry the power and the presence of God in your life. Amen. So as we put on the helmet of salvation, we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and it goes hand in hand. And we need to realign our minds to the Word of God. So this, I'm going to carry on to the sword. That is the vital piece of the soldier's army. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is both defensive and offensive weapon. It is, one of, it is the only defensive and offensive weapon out of all the pieces of armor. So with the sword, you can actually protect yourself from the enemy and also you can wound the enemy, the devil, because the word of God is like the two-edged sword that is used both against the enemy and for your own personal use. So the Apostle Paul, he used the Roman soldier's armor to illustrate the spiritual armor the Christians need in order to defeat the devil. And, you know, back then the Roman soldiers actually carried a two-edged sword. It wasn't a long sword, it was a short dagger. And they used it for various purposes like cutting rope, cooking, wood, or whatever. So in Hebrews 4, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than a sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So the word of God has many purposes, yeah? 
First of all, it destroys God's, uh, it destroys Satan's lies and arguments. That best illustration is when uh, Jesus uses the word of God in the wilderness against the temptations of Satan. For example, the enemy said to Jesus, if you're the son of God, turn these stones to bread. But he replied, it is written, man won't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The other purpose for the word of God is that it helps to train, correct, and change us as Christians, as soldiers for God's work. And to Timothy, it says, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. Awesome, eh? So that the servant of God be thoroughly equipped. The other uh, useful purpose is that the word of God can also pierce a man's heart and show them the truth about their own sin. And it also shows us how to live our lives and be fruitful. The word of God is a love letter to us that encourages us. The word of God reveals God's amazing attributes of how awesome and powerful he is. The word of God encourages us and gives us promises and blessings. Amen. And... uh, just uh, near the end, near the end, as a Roman soldier had to be skillful to practice and train with a sword to kill the enemy. In the same way, we have to meditate. We have to study. Amen. We have to study the word of God, living out the word of God to be effective and powerful soldiers in defeating the enemy so that we can encourage not only ourselves but also others. And I, I just... Um, I believe that um, God is really saying to, to us that we've got to sharpen our sword. Yeah, we've got to meditate on the word of God. We've got to take up the word of God and live out the word of God and, um, you know, and just declare the word of God against the enemy. Amen. Can I just finish off with this last story? You, you know, uh, Emperor Napoleon, you know him? Yeah, he's a French military leader in the 1800s. So he went to a very skillful, skillful workman, asking him to make a bulletproof jacket or undergarment, one that he would feel safe to wear as a protection. The workman assured him he could make the garment. The craftsman took pains in its construction. The jacket was finished and the emperor was notified. Napoleon carefully examined the garment and asked if he still felt sure a bullet could not pierce it. The workman said he was so sure that no bullet could penetrate it, that he himself would feel safe with it on in the shower of bullets. The emperor asked him to put it on, so the workman actually put it on, so that Napoleon can examine it more carefully. After careful examination of its structure and apparent safety, Napoleon stepped back a few feet and drew his pistol. The man cried out, Don't try it on me, but the emperor said, but you told me it was perfectly safe, and he fired. The armour proved itself bulletproof. So God's armour for us can keep us perfectly safe against all spiritual attacks, and to prove that it works, Jesus tested it on himself, particularly when he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and he perfectly worked the armour. Amen. Fantastic. Who thinks we have amazing communicators in this house? Yeah? Pastor Sandy, that was great. Pastor Dallas, great word. Pastor Danny, amazing word.